0: A family was on a road trip when they came across a large sign and the large sign had bold letters Road Closed Do Not Enter. Pretty obvious. Road Closed Do Not Enter. Well, it came as no surprise when the husband proceeded to ignore the signage in front of them and confident that this shortcut by going around the sign and traveling this road would save the family some time in their travels. The co-pilot, his wife, vocalized her resistance for this unknown adventure, but there was no turning back. Away they went. After a few kilometers of successful navigation, the husband began to boast about his gift of discernment and his spirit of direction. He had this big smile on his face like he knew what he was doing. But the husband's smile turned quickly to transformed into beads of sweat on his brow as he discovered that Him and his family came up to a washed-out bridge, thus the reason for the sign that said, Road Closed, Do Not Enter. With egg on his face, he turned the car around and began to retrace his tracks back to their entry point of their so-called shortcut. It was there on the reverse side of the sign that read, Do Not Enter. He read the words, Welcome Back, Stupid. Stupid. Many of us identify with this amusing story because the struggle for guidance is real. Amen? The struggle for guidance is real. Many times we have the utmost confidence in our own ability to fix our own stuff or to fix our own problems that we confidently follow our own instructions and our own guidance only to realize that we've managed to misguide our life And we're staring at a washed out bridge. Solomon knew the importance of solid guidance in a person's life and as a means of establishing a wise life. And we are in our last sermon of this summer series, uh, Proverbs Wisdom. He wrote in Proverbs 29, 18, the following words. It is the very focal point of our topic today. When people, say this with me, church, do not accept divine guidance, They run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. There are two divisions in this verse 18. You probably have already noticed that there there are two divisions. There are two lives being lived out. In other words, one life has accepted divine guidance, has embraced the divine guidance, and the other life has not accepted divine guidance. Verse 18 brings us to a very important question that is an entry-level question into our discussion today. It's this question right here. Why do people not accept divine guidance? You could say it this way. Why do people ignore divine guidance in their life? It's not a simple question to answer. You may think it's a simple question to answer by simply reading that question, but it is not a simple question to answer. There are multiple reasons why. I want to share some of the high ones or the high the top ones that I feel why people ignore divine guidance in their life. The first and most obvious reason is that people have no knowledge of the divine. There is a, this is probably one of the top reasons. People do not accept divine guidance in their life because they have no knowledge of the divine at all. There are individuals in this world who have never heard the name God, Jesus, or Holy Spirit. They've never seen a Bible. Many of us in our own homes have multiple Bibles, and we have a Bible app on our phone or on our tablet, and, and the Scriptures are prevalent everywhere in, our, in many of our homes. We know about prayer. We know about the story of Jesus. We know about Easter. We know about Christmas. We know the gospel message. Even if we don't accept the gospel message, we at least know the name Jesus and the story. According to the World Evangelization Research Center, there are 1.6 billion people in the world who have never heard the Gospel story. They've never heard the name Jesus. They've never heard the message that Jesus came into this world and died for their sins and offers freely their forgiveness of their sins if they accept Him. If they've never heard the message of Jesus, how could they accept divine guidance from Jesus? It's a logical question. If they don't know the story of Jesus, how can they accept the guidance of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of God into their life if they've never heard the name Jesus or the story of Jesus or the gospel message? The Apostle Paul wrote this simple but profound truth in Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 13, he said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what church? will be saved. Everyone who calls out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will forgive them of their sins. He will save them from themselves and save them from their sins and the coming judgment. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never what? If they've never heard about him. Paul's asking a very logical question, a very good question. How can people accept Jesus? How can people accept divine guidance in their life if they've never heard about God or Jesus or the gospel message. He goes on to write this, and how can they hear about him unless someone does what? Unless someone tells them. He then writes in verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And then he ends the verse 15 this way, that is why the scriptures say, say this with me church, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Of any, of any person in the entire world that I, hi, I hold in hot, the highest esteem would be missionaries who take the gospel message by plane or boat or some other mode of transportation to some remote part of planet earth to tell a group of people who have never heard about Jesus to tell them about Jesus. Blessed, Paul said, how beautiful they are of those who take the good news of Jesus Christ to those who have never heard. It is so important that we accept divine guidance in our life. Why is it so important that we accept divine guidance in our life? First of all, it puts our life on the right path. But more so, our the divine guidance that we receive in our life will in essence be led by divine guidance so that we can be led to people who have never heard about divine guidance so that we can share about divine guidance to them did you track me on did you track with me on all of that how will they believe paul said how will they be guided if they have never if they've never heard so may we find divine guidance in our life So that we are then led by divine guidance to people who do not have divine guidance so they can receive divine guidance by us being divinely guided to share the gospel message with them. Amen? Think about that for a moment. 1.6 billion people have never accepted divine guidance in their life because they've never heard about Jesus. One of the greatest reasons why people do not accept divine guidance in their life is because they've never heard about divine guidance. They've never heard about Jesus. Another reason why people do not accept divine guidance, not far behind number one, is number two, people have rebelled against the divine. Say that with me, church. People have done what? Rebelled against the divine. In this arena of rebellion, there is a refusal to obey the commands of God that serve as our divine guidance. So we stop relying on God's guidance for our life because we have stopped relying on the commandments of God. Many times, individuals who rebel against God, I've seen them, people who absolutely rebel against God, not only rebel against God, they rebel against any authority at all. Whether it's king, queen, whether it's the the prime minister or the president or whatever authority may be over them, they rebel against God and they rebel against any other authority too. In the 1980s, the British rock band Tears for Fears wrote an iconic song entitled this. Maybe you remember it. I do because it was in my teenage years. Everybody wants to rule the world. Anybody remember that song? Everybody wants to rule the world. It was written at the height of the Cold War when we didn't know if the Russians were going to drop atomic bombs on us or we were going to do it to the Russians. I mean, it was just this frigidness from the 60s and 70s and 80s and the cold war and and they wrote this song that was a catchy song that I would listen to on the radio and play on those cassettes remember those (laughs) everybody wants to rule the world not much has changed since the beginning of time not much has changed since 1980s do you know what happens today everybody wants to what everybody wants to rule the world They want to rule their own life and they want to rule everyone else's life. Rebellion against God is a reoccurring generational problem. It's not a new problem for our generation, though you may think it is. It is a reoccurring generational problem that has happened for for every generation since Adam and Eve. We rebel against God. We seem to ignore the difference between knowing about divine guidance and living divine guidance. In other words, let me just make, simplify this for you, we love going to church to hear about divine guidance, but we don't really necessarily like to live divine guide, guided lives through the week. We talk about the importance of God's guidance in our life, but we live like it just doesn't matter. And that's concerning. Timothy reminds us of this truth in the second book of Timothy when he writes in verse 3, or of 2 Timothy chapter 4, for a time is coming, say this with me church, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. What does that mean? They They will be the ruler of their own world and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And then he says this, they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Some people do not accept divine guidance because they choose to rebel against God, the divine. A.W. Tozer communicated this truth. He said, whenever you see confusion, you can be sure that something is wrong. Disorder in the world implies that something is out of place. Then he goes on to say this. Usually, say this with me, church, at the heart of all disorder, you will find man, mankind, man and woman, in what? Rebellion against God. You will discover rebellion against God. Where there's disorder, you will discover that there is rebellion against God. One of the main reasons why we do not accept or follow the divine guidance of God in our life is because we are rebellion. We are rebelling against God. We think that we can ignore the sign that says road closed, do not enter. That we know better than what the sign says and we travel that road until we get to the washed out bridge and go oh, I may not have known so well, or as much as I thought I knew. Another reason why people do not accept divine guidance is, three, is that people have become complacent with the divine. People have become complacent with the divine. People are seeking divine divine guidance less and less and less in their life because they're becoming complacent. We are becoming so complacent today that we're almost falling asleep. There is an obvious spirit of complacency that is evident in our North American post-pandemic world. People are complacent about church attendance. They are complacent about prayer and Bible reading and gathering together for community encouragement. We are in jeopardy of falling asleep, church. A.W. Tozer wrote this, and I've been reading some of his stuff this week. He said, complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The contented soul is the stagnant soul. Say that with me, church. The contented soul is the what? Stagnant soul. Complacency leads to the stagnation of our soul, which leads us to less dependency on God and less on divine and spiritual guidance from God. So it begins with complacency. We become complacent. And because we become complacent, then we realize there's a stagnation that happens within our spiritual life. We're not as vibrant. We're not as on fire as we were. We're not as go gung-ho for Jesus as we were maybe when we first accepted Him. And so stagnation sets in. And when stagnation sets in, then we, be- we become less dependent on God. And when we become less dependent on God, what happens? We stop following His divine guidance for our life. Let's circle back around to Proverbs 28, 18. When people, say this with me, church, do not accept divine guidance, they what? They run wild. What would Solomon, why would Solomon write such a statement? That's my question. Why would he say that when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild? Like, that's a wild statement, Solomon. How did you come to that conclusion? What proof do you have that people would run wild if they do not accept your divine guidance? That's the question that I have. Well, we all know that Solomon was a very wise gentleman. In fact, Scripture tells us that he was the wisest guy ever, that he, he oozed wisdom, and that he was very familiar with the history of Israel. And in many ways, Proverbs 29, 18, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. When he was writing that in Proverbs twenty-nineteen, I am certain that he was thinking about the Israelites' actions in Exodus 32, which he would have been very familiar with. In Exodus 32, we discover that Moses has ascended to the top of the mountain to hang out with God. He's been there for 40 days and for, what, 40 nights. He's been there for almost, not quite, six weeks. That's not a long time. That's just a good, healthy vacation, isn't it? Forty days, he's been there on top of the mountain. He's been camped out with God. He's writing down the Ten Commandments as God has given them to him. He's writing them on a tablet, not an iPad, not an electronic tablet. This was like the first tablet of all tablets. It was stone. And he's writing and chiseling away the Ten Commandments and other commandments that God has given to him on the tablet, that he will then take down to Israel and present to them. These are the ways of God. And he's been there for 40 days and for 40 nights. But in his absence and in God's quietness, the people grow restless and they begin to rebel. We've looked at that word, haven't we? Begin to rebel. One of the main reasons why people stop Accepting the guidance of God into their life is because they are rebelling against God. In Exodus 32, we find things get pretty wild right out of the gate in in verse 1. So in, in Exodus 32, 1, we find the words, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses. How long? How long was it? 40 days and 40 nights, less than six weeks. Remember that. But in their minds, this was taking like way, way too long. For Moses to come back down the mountain, goes on to read in the middle part of this verse, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. And so this is what happens. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. He disappeared on top of the mountain. It's been 40 days. It's been less than six weeks. I don't think he's ever coming back. So, who brought us here from the land of Egypt? When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back, their leader was Moses. It was Moses who had delivered the power and the miracles of God, allowing them to escape Egypt from slavery. It was Moses who, with the power of God, brought the plagues to Egypt, the Passover to Egypt. And it was Moses, by, led by the power of God, to lead almost a million people out of Egypt to the promised land. It was Moses lifting the rod of God up to the Red Sea, that the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea, and Moses, their leader, led them across the Red Sea. It was Moses, their leader, inspired and empowered by the power of God that brought manna from heaven and water from rocks so that they could drink. It was Moses, their leader, empowered by God, who was leading them to the promise that God had given them, the promised land. But their leader is missing in action for how many days? Forty days and forty nights. Almost how many weeks? Almost six weeks. Remarkably, or not so remarkably, it took a very short time, forty days, for Israel to stop accepting divine guidance in their life. From this story, I've noticed a few things that I'd love to share with you this morning the first thing that I want to share with you is this, that when it comes to divine guidance, timing is always an issue. When it comes to divine guidance in our life, timing is always an issue. Why did Israel commit such an evil act at such a glorious time in their history? That's my question. Like, God had been doing some pretty remarkable things in their life. They had manna from heaven, water from rocks, they crossed the Red Sea. I mean, God was leading them to the promised land, and now He's giving them commandments to live by. I mean, this was their most glorious moment. And yet, they create, or they commit such an evil act. Maybe you're wondering, well, what kind of evil act act did Israel commit? Look at verse 2, 3, and 4 with me this morning. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Then in verse 3, all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And then in verse 4, then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. And then in the latter part of verse 4, when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, O Israel, these... Are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt? Was it a golden calf that led Israel out of Egypt? In less than six weeks, they had forgotten that Yahweh had led them out of Egypt and now had replaced God with a golden calf. In this moment, Israel stopped accepting divine guidance. Because they were, are you ready for it? They were impatient. They were impatient. Do you know what impatience is? It's a timing issue. Impatient with God means that we don't trust God enough for God to know what is a good timing. We're, unless in saying, as Moses, or excuse me, as the Israelites were saying, We just can't wait, God. They were becoming impatient with Moses, their leader. They hadn't seen him for 40 days. They were impatient with Yahweh, their God. And their impatience, they lacked in faith and trust in God regardless of whether their leader was there or not. They became impatient. Impatience never leads us to a good place. It always either puts us ahead of God Or puts us behind God. So let me ask you a couple of questions this morning. Are you struggling with divine guidance because you are impatient with God? Because you believe God's timing is off, that He doesn't know best and that you know best. And so because God hasn't come through the way that you think He should come through, that you're you will step in and you will melt down your gold earrings and you will produce something that will get results. Are you impatient? More people struggle with divine guidance because they are impatient than any other reason or emotion in human beings towards God. Because of our impatience, it leads us in a way to destruction. On the heels of, our, of talking about impatience, I've noticed this from the story. Impatience is often the cause of impulsive actions that are sinful. Because we are impatient, we feel like something needs to be done, especially in North American culture, like get it done, get it done yesterday. And Because we're impatient with God, we feel like 40 days, I haven't seen my leader and I haven't heard from God, so things must be rough. But we need to do something here, Israel. And so they melt down the gold and, and Aaron brings them a golden calf and that's what they worship. Impatience led them to impulsive actions that led them to sinning against God. Our impatience with God will lead us to impulsive actions, which leads us to what? Come on, it's okay to say it. Sin. Disobedience. It has never been good news when God's people run ahead of God's plans. It wasn't for Israel. It wasn't for King David. It wasn't for King Solomon. And it, it won't be for you either. Preacher Campbell Morgan made this wise statement when he said, waiting for God is not laziness, waiting for God is not going to sleep, waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Then he says this, waiting for God means first, activity under command, second, readiness for any new command that may come, and more importantly, third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. That's where we have trouble today, do we not? To sit and listen, to sit and wait, God, here's my problem. I presented it to you. I'm going to wait for your answer. And some of us have been waiting 40 days and we're impatient. And our impatience is leading us to to impulsive actions that leads us to sin. And we just need to sit and wait. Israel just needed to sit and wait for Moses to come back off of the mountain. He wasn't going to be up there forever. Some of us have waited four months. Some of us have waited four years. Others of us have waited 40 years. And we're becoming impatient with God. And we're trying to make things happen. And we're making impulsive actions and impulsive decisions that are leading us to sinful actions. It's okay for God's people to sit and wait and listen for God to guide us. Amen? What did Solomon's dad write about? Remember Solomon's father, King David? In the book of Psalms, he said clearly, those who wait on the Lord will what? Renew their strength. And they will flap like the ingles up high. What is the secret to that sauce? Wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Because we convince ourselves that we cannot wait, it demands action this moment. We make impulsive decisions that lead us to sin, that leads us to sin. Something else I've noticed from this passage of Scripture, when it comes to divine guidance, knowing God is always a challenge. Knowing God is always a challenge. Look at verse 5 of Exodus chapter 32. Israel and Aaron really struggle with this reality. This verse here, Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he, say this with me church, so he built an altar in front of the calf. So, so it's not bad enough. That the people pressure Aaron, who is second in command now, because Moses is on the mountain, so Aaron is left in control. They pressure Aaron, and Aaron gives in to the people's wishes, and he melts down the gold, and out comes a golden calf, and this golden calf now is in the presence of Israel, and so that's not bad enough. He does this. He builds an altar. What does that mean? He builds a place for them to worship a golden calf. They are challenged in recognizing and knowing God. So challenged that they build a place of worship to a God who is not a God, it's just a golden statue and dead. Aaron and the tribal leaders struggled to know God and His ways. They struggled with divine guidance. They either forgot or refused. I'm not sure which is worse, to forget or to refuse to seek God's direction. As the people pushed Aaron for a decision, an action. Instead of restraining the people, Aaron gratified the desires of their sinful hearts and led them to wild living. Isn't that what Solomon said? Those who do not follow the guidance, divine guidance of God, leads to wild living. Aaron later made excuses. As Moses said, Aaron, I need you to explain yourself. And Aaron was like, well, God, you know, I just gathered up the gold, and we put it into a pot. And it it was quite a miracle, Moses. Oh, came this golden calf. You're not going to believe it. Whereas if you go back to the Scripture, Aaron actually molded, so he was lying to Moses, the golden calf. And if that's not bad enough, he he didn't even want to be associated with this bad sideways deal that went down. He said, well, Moses, you know these people better than I. They're just sinful people. And he was leading them. It was a cooperative effort between the leader and the people. They were doing this together. For Israel and Aaron, knowing God's guidance was a challenge. Israel thought they needed an idol. Why did the Israel think they needed an idol in this moment of time? Because if you go back to the history of Israel being in Egypt for hundreds of years and how they got there, was because Joseph and that whole story. But because they're in Egypt, while they're in Egypt, they worship both Yahweh, who is Almighty God, but they also had infiltrated some of the worshiping of Egypt into their homes, and and many Israelites had idols in their homes. They were familiar with idols because often in that period of time God went silent in their slavery and in their bondage. And so they, they gave themselves to idol worship. They gave themselves to, to these worshiping of statues to comfort them and to guide them. Something that they could see and feel and touch and worship. And so when the moment comes, when they're restless and God has been silent for only 40 days, their past comes rearing and back. And they go, Yahweh's silent again. Moses is off the grid. We need an idol. An idol like we had in Egypt. It is never, ever, ever a good thing when God forgives you of something in your past to go back to it. When God delivers you from some slavery of sin, it is never a good idea to go back to it. Because it will lead you to more sin and more destruction. Israel thought they needed an idol, but what they really needed was faith in Yahweh, the God Almighty, who had revealed Himself powerfully to them over and over and over again from the plagues to the Red Sea to the manna and the water. He had done miracle after miracle after miracle. And they ended up exchanging all the glory and the miracles of God for an image of an animal. Finally, something else I've noticed. When it comes to divine guidance, forgetting God is always what? It's always sad. I'm watching the people of UK mourn the death of their queen. There's a lot of sadness. A lot of reminiscing, but there's a lot of sadness. A lady of stability who had reigned for 70 years now is no longer going to reign over them. What's going to happen next? And there's a lot of sadness that she's no longer queen. When we forget, it's sad. 9-11, September the 11th, 21 years ago, I believe my math is right or history is right, 9-11 happened in New York. Already on social media posts this morning, people were posting, 9-11, never forget, never forget, never forget, like we would ever forget if we lived during that time. Never forget. You know the saddest thing And mankind's emotions and history is when we forget about God. That's the saddest thing. It's heartbreaking. Not only to us, but it's heartbreaking to God. I've always struggled as being pastor with individuals who have become passionate followers of Jesus on fire, like they're just ready to tear up the world and go evangelize 1.6 billion people who do not know Jesus only a few days, a few weeks, or a few years later are no longer passionate about Him. It's sad. How do you deal with that? What do you do with that? We see it in Exodus chapter 32. We're going to read a few verses starting at verse 6 down to verse 8. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan rivalry. So there's a big old worshiping party going on here, but it's not towards Yahweh, it's towards the golden calf. Verse 7 The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. So 40 days are going to end. And I always love, God is like steaming mad right now, He is spitting mad. Uh, he is like, there's probably, if you could see a picture of God's steams coming out of his ears, he is so ticked off at these group of people that that I find humor in this. Maybe maybe you don't, but he goes to Moses, your people, Moses, they're not my people anymore. Actually, a little later, if you read on down in this chapter, it was God who wanted to strike them off the face of the earth. He was that mad. And Moses pleaded on their, on their, on their behalf to God to save them and give them a second chance, which God did. But here in this moment where God has really ticked off, He goes, your people, Moses, whom you brought out from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. And then look at verse 8. How quickly, say this with me, church, they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. How quickly, how quickly? Forty days. How quickly? Forty days. They turned away. They have melted down gold and made a calf and they have bowed down, and they have sacrificed to it. Forgetting God and His divine guidance is very, very sad. Exodus 32 was a sad moment in history and the history of Israel. It left actually a negative mark on their history and their story. It was retold over and over and over again um, through the Jewish people that they would remember this moment and they would never do this again, even though they did do it again and again and again. David wrote about it in Exodus 32 and Psalm 106. And that's why I feel that Solomon knew the story so well. Because King David wrote about it and talked about it. And the importance of following divine guidance. Because if you do not follow divine guidance, the history of Israel proves that you will live a wild life. In Psalm 106, it's not on the screen, but I want to read it for you this morning. Just listen. The people made a calf... At Mount Sinai, they bowed before the image made of gold. They traded, listen to this verse, 106.20, they traded their glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating bull. They traded their glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating bull. I'm afraid our society and culture in Canada and North America We are trading our glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating bull. Oh, it may not be the golden image of a calf or a bull, but it is some other image, some other idol that we have placed in our life that has replaced our glorious God. They forgot in verse 21 of 106, they forgot God, their Savior, who had done such great things in Egypt, such wonderful things in the land of Ham, such awesome deeds at the Red Sea. It took them only 40 days. They had forgotten their God. So sad. So let me ask you a question this morning. If you're watching online or in this room, have you forgotten about Jesus, your Savior? Have you? Are you traveling the wrong path because you're following your own guidance, your own direction, you're setting your own pace, you're placing your life and pointing your life in the direction you want. Be careful, because those who do not seek divine guidance live what? Wildly, that eventually leads you to a place you do not want to be. In the 1929 Rose Bowl, the California Golden Bears squared off against Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and it provided one of the most famous plays in college football history. It's been analyzed and talked about and told this story over and over again since 1929. It was the second quarter when California player Roy Riggles recovered a fumbled football, and instead of advancing it to the end zone, he, he becomes confused in the moment of picking up the football that he runs towards his own end zone. And it's only one of his players on his own team that tackles him at the goal line that actually saves face. The other team, Georgia Tech, eventually scored two points on that, that misplay that proved to be the winning two points for the game. A guy picks up a football And goes the wrong way. There are a lot of people who have picked up footballs. Life. And gone the wrong way. Confused. Whatever. Here's my statement or question coming out of that story this morning. The direction in which we are pointed will eventually tell the story where we end up the direction in which we are pointed will eventually tell the story of where we end up. If we are pointing in the wrong way, going the wrong direction, it will eventually tell the story. If we are pointed in the right direction, in the right way, it will tell a good story. So why not try God's divine guidance this morning? Why not let God point you in the right direction? Why not remember His ways and His teachings? Because Solomon said in Proverbs 29, verse 18, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is what? Is joyful. Are you joyful this morning? I hope you are. Because you are following God's ways in His direction that you are patient and waiting and following His instructions for your life. Perhaps it would be wise to start each day this week with this short prayer by Christine Brown. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray it together in unison. Then the team's going to lead us in a, a closing song. Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your guidance. Forgive me for getting ahead of Your plans. And help me know when to stop and listen for Your direction. Your ways are perfect. Lord, thank you for offering gentle grace. God offered grace to Israel after that mess in Exodus 32. He went on and forgave them, and they journeyed in the commands of God. Let's pray this in unison. If you mean it this morning, Heavenly Father, thank you for your guidance. Forgive me for getting ahead of your plans And help me know when to stop and listen for your direction. Your ways are perfect, Lord. Thank you for offering gentle grace in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. We thank you first and foremost that your grace is gentle. Oh, so many times we've traveled our own pathway and gone in our own direction, and yet your gentle grace has pulled us back. Thank you this morning that grace was evident after Exodus 32. Lord, we never want to make the mistake that Israel made in Exodus 32. We never want to make the mistake of not following your divine guidance because it leads us in a path of destruction and despair. But we want to follow your commands and your guidance and your will. And in that path we'll find joyfulness and content and your peace Lord we love you today and for some of us in this room and watching online we, we admit we confess to you that's a better word we confess to you that sometimes we're so impatient and so stubborn we just want to make it happen we do it our way remind us Lord remind us over and over and over again of Exodus 32 and that it is okay to wait 40 days. It is okay to wait and listen and be still for your guidance for our life. It's okay to wait. It's okay to be patient and listen. For four months or four years or 40 years if it takes that long to hear your divine guidance because we will be further ahead by listening to your divine guidance for our life than by doing it ourselves we can accomplish more by waiting 40 years for you to lead us than going ahead today and doing it ourselves Lord, we we do not want to get to the end of our life to realize the bridge is washed out, that we've been traveling the wrong way. Speak to us this morning. Direct our path. Guide us and lead us as we patiently wait for you. I pray. I pray this in Jesus' name, that your people would follow you in step, Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would not go ahead nor would we lag behind but that we would be in step with you step by step by step until one day we hear those words from our Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.